What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now where we cover how the environment, our society and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host Mike DiCibato and this week we discuss how ESG views the slew of layoffs that have happened in late 2022 and early of this year. Thanks as always for joining us. Stay tuned. Let me list some of the high-profile tech layoffs that have happened since late 2022. Alphabet is laying off 12,000 people, Amazon 18,000, Microsoft 10,000, Meta 11,000. There have been a lot more layoffs throughout the economy, but for tech, those are the biggins. These sort of mass layoffs are life-altering for those involved, and they are life-altering. Losing a job is linked to a myriad of psychological problems, as well as the obvious economic insecurity that comes with it. But they can also have long-term ripple effects in how a company operates, especially for companies reliant on its workers to continue its growth by creating new products or new uses for products already in use. Understanding how companies build long-term productive relationships with their employees is part of the social pillar in ESG, so we thought these layoffs, not seen in tech since the dot-com bubble burst in the early aughts, were an opening for us to go through both what we think led to these aggressive cuts and how we view layoffs in the ESG ecosystem, which is a complicated question with a less than complicated answer you get to decide. So to do that, I called up my colleague Liz Houston, who covers what we call human capital research for us here at MSCI ESG Research, and I asked her to take me through what I will call the labor of ESG. But first, I wanted her to give some broader context around these mass layoffs that have happened in late 2022 and early 2023, because aside from the difficulty that layoffs bring to the individual, the context of why companies are making these moves is important to understand if you want to understand why ESG focuses on them. The layoffs you're talking about are coming after, well, a really extended boom time period for the tech industry. Markets have been very happy to reward growth and not just growth today, but the promise of growth in the future. And in response to this or otherwise, companies have been investing in that future growth by um, hiring more employees. Now, because everyone was doing it at the same time, you start to see competition for the best employees. You get a war for talent. And that only reinforces the pressure to go out and try and uh, try even harder to hire the best employees. Fast forward to today and you have a slightly different picture. So amongst other things, higher interest rates and a slightly less rosy economic outlook mean that markets are more interested in cash today than the promise of cash in the future. The mood music has changed. As the music stops and the lights turn on after a period of hyper excitement and growth and company management looks around bleary eyed at the group that they've surrounded themselves with, this is when the tough decisions are made. And some companies might think, well, it's a new world. We should change our workforce to go along with that new world. And they start to figure out how to do that. But then short-term needs can come into contact with long-term realities, a common problem in these capricious markets of ours. Because the problematic effects of episodic restructuring and routine layoffs aren't just for the people that were let go. They are also for the remaining employees because trust in a company can be eroded if layoffs are done well and it can halt progress in the long term. So as ESG sees it, it's the relationship between management and its employees that are as important and must be assessed alongside with any considerations about the growth prospects 
of the company's, let's say, product line? I think what we have to make clear to start with is that it's not the simple act of laying off your employees that is bad. So there is a, a natural element of turnover in a workforce that's considered important and healthy, and it allows you to get the right people into the right roles so that you can develop your talent pool. Um, particularly, potentially, you can even see a situation where turnover is too low for a company to be able to achieve some of its other goals. So you can get situations where turnover is too low for a company to be able to achieve its diversity targets, for example. I think in the situation we're discussing today, the concern would be that when you have these bigger layoffs over and above what is typical in an industry, and the concern is, and there's plenty of academic research to back this up, that this has a knock-on effect on the morale in the remaining workforce. Uh, morale is very important in terms of long-term financial performance of companies. There's academic research to back that up as well. So what we're looking for here is a potential risk signal that companies are uh, not managing these layoffs particularly effectively and that it might have a knock-on impact on the employees that are left behind. Charlie Trevor of the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Anthony Nyberg of the University of South Carolina found that based on data provided by companies seeking to be included in the Forbes 100 Best Companies to Work For list, that downsizing a workforce by 1% leads to a 31% increase in voluntary turnover the next year. And a 2002 meta-study by Magnus Werk and Johnny Helgreen of Stockholm University and Katharina Noswal of the University of Canterbury found that after a layoff, survivors of job cuts experienced a 41% decline in job satisfaction, a 36% decline in organizational commitment, and a 20% decline in job performance. Twitter is a good example of this because what's going on now is an exaggerated example of what can happen when layoffs are done in a haphazard way. And if you haven't been reading up on Twitter, I suggest you do so. But aside from Twitter, layoffs are inevitable at companies. So we have to understand how someone can understand whether a company has the systems in place to ensure that employees that remain after a large layoff are still satisfied and felt that the process their friends and colleagues were subjected to was equitable and saw that people who were laid off had a soft landing. They have to understand these things because it would keep those workers that remained at the company from feeling negatively about where they work and affecting their productivity, let's say. So one way to do this might be looking at the sort of processes that a company has for recruiting and retaining their workforce. So we look at a number of different factors here. So that will start all the way with the hiring process, uh, our companies uh, partnering with universities to get the right talent. Do they have trainee or apprenticeship programs, talent development pipelines? Um, beyond that, are they? Uh, what tools are they using to retain those staff? So uh, do employees have stock ownership plans? Uh, are they getting variable pay, non-pay benefits, performance appraisals? Uh, so it's getting them in and it's keeping them there once you've got them. I think beyond that, we do look at employee turnover as, um, as a factor here, but we want to look at it on an industry relative basis because... You know, we recognise that that number might vary from industry to industry. One thing that I do want to highlight, because this is something that we see across the board, no matter 
what kind of company you are, whether you are hiring uh, extremely well-educated tech-type employees uh, or you are hiring temporary staff to uh, run your cafe at the weekend. We want to know, are you running engagement surveys to monitor employee satisfaction? Do you know whether or not your workforce is happy? And are you invested in their overall well-being? Because that employee satisfaction, we know, is a factor that drives long-term financial performance for companies. Okay, so let's look at those factors in aggregate. There's stock ownership, variable pay, which means bonuses, performance appraisals, engagement surveys. If we stick with the tech companies that I think are more competitive to each other, Alphabet, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft, I'm, I'm keeping Amazon off. It has a million six hundred thousand employees. It's just a different beast. But let's stick with Alphabet, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft. We can see that Apple and Microsoft have sector-leading programs in employee stock ownership, that everyone offers bonuses and performance-based pay. And while everyone conducts employee satisfaction surveys, Meta is lagging its peers in monitoring its overall employee satisfaction, according to our data. Now, Meta is still above the market median score that we calculate for monitoring employee satisfaction, but not its larger peers, like Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft, which is who they're definitely competing against for talent. For companies like the tech companies that we're discussing, the talent pool that they have is a core part of their business proposition. It's not like companies of old where the capital that you invested in was your machinery that you are manufacturing your product with. In today's economy, particularly in these kinds of industries, it's that workforce, that extremely talented, well-qualified, very mobile workforce that you really need to make sure that you are um, attracting and retaining. And so when you start making short-term big changes to that very valuable workforce, the risk that you could have an unintended knock-on effect increases. And so while layoffs are important and no one would ever remove a company's ability to do that, what we really want to see is that companies are doing this in a nuanced way and they are incredibly focused on making sure that the, com- the employees that they retain are still well motivated. And there are multiple examples through history of cases where that has not been done well and companies have not come out of a mass layoff in a better position than they were when they went in. Again, we could go into Twitter. It's an easy example of what happens when you mismanage this, but this is happening all over. The world seems to have shifted toward layoffs as being the only way to cut costs when after a period of hyper growth, they have to figure out what to do. Most tech companies that announced large layoffs this year went on hiring sprees from 2017 to 2022. My colleague Yu Young Chung compiled the increases in workforce for the tech industry for papers she's writing on these layoffs, and here's what she found. She found that Meta went from 40,000 employees in 2017 to 116 in 2022. That's a growth of 290%. Microsoft and Alphabet went from 100,000 to over 200,000 during the same stretch. Now, one difference was Apple, the only tech company to not yet announce massive layoffs. Apple grew from 123,000 workers to around 155,000 workers, or 26% in 2022. So some of these tech companies that grew so quickly over the last five years 
have now had to deal with what to do about that growth. And they've now been targeted by activist investors pushing them to address the cost that they built up during these boom times. And what do those activist investors see as the easiest way to cut costs? Layoffs. We've seen a very obvious example of this at Disney. So Disney came under pressure from well-known activist investor Nelson Peltz to reduce its cost base. This week, Disney came out and announced that it would be laying off 7,000 of its workers. And in response, Nelson Peltz has now pulled away from his proxy battle. Proxy battle solved, but a fateful decision was made. A hiring decision is a long-term investment decision. You recruit, you onboard, you deploy these people on a project, you train them. And so following a period of intense hiring with layoffs might reflect poor strategy or at least a write-off of an investment. And there's this great research report that came out recently in the Harvard Business Review titled Layoffs That Don't Break Your Company. And in it, the authors go deep into the academic research that is behind much of what I talked about today. It's a great read. I suggest it if you're interested in the surveys done with companies and employees to have arrived at these ideas. But I want to talk about one thing to end here that the report looks at. It looks at Nokia as a case study. And Nokia has gone through periods of hypergrowth and defeat. And in those periods, they conducted layoffs, once with regard for their employees, and then again in a considered and more nuanced manner. And when it was done without regard, the company lost millions. The remaining employees went on strike, and in the end, the company was in a worse place financially than when it started. But Nokia had to conduct layoffs again after this boondoggle, and they tried another route. They supported their employees that they had to let go, and they ensured their remaining employees understood what the process was for hiring and firing. And the result was, and I'm going to quote here from the Harvard Business Review, that quote, the remaining employees maintained an improved quality level throughout the restructuring. Employees at the sites that were targeted for downsizing achieved a 3.4 billion euro in new product revenues, one-third of new product sales, the same proportion that they had brought in before the restructuring was announced. Employee engagement scores in all areas of the company held steady throughout the restructuring. And unlike the previous round of layoffs, there were no labor actions of any kind in the 13 countries where the layoffs happened, unquote. It's to be seen if the companies we talked about today, those going through similar rounds of layoffs as Nokia has done, conducted them with their employees in mind, or with their bottom line in mind. But the result may be borne out in the success each sees in the coming years. And that's it for the week. I want to thank Liz Houston for talking to me on record about the news in uh, with an ESG twist this week. I want to thank you, Young Chung, so much for her research and her help with this podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That'll be fun. You can hear Bentley or me each week. Have a good rest of the week and talk to you soon. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research.
None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.